0: Welcome to those of you who are joining us online. We're glad that you're here. Now, I wish we didn't have to wear these so I could see your beautiful smiles. Um, but I've enjoyed our time together. Just had you sense the presence of God during the worship time? And yeah, my heart was touched. I really enjoy gathering for worship. Worship is one of my favorite things. And I want to welcome you to our series called Awesome God. Uh, he really is. One of my very first experiences of God revealing just how awesome He is happened when I was on a trip to New York. I was on my way to New Jersey. I had a three-day layover in New York. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't have a place to stay. And I didn't have money. But interestingly, I wasn't too worried about it. And I thought, you know what, I'll just uh, play tourist and probably run into some business that needs some temporary help in exchange for a place to stay. And we'll just let it happen organically. I think I was a bit foolish, maybe naive, maybe a combination of both. (laughs) But here I was walking around playing tourist. I visited the Empire State Building, Greenwich Village, and just enjoying being in this new place. And before I know it, it started to get dark. And nothing happened organically. And so I'm walking the streets of New York, and pretty soon it's getting close to 10 p.m., and I still don't have a place to stay. And then it starts to rain. It reminds me of this t-shirt. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It says confidence in bold letters. And below it has a definition. Confidence is that feeling you have just before you become fully aware of the situation. (laughs) I think that describes my day. And so here I am, it's starting to rain, I duck into this all night diner just for getting out of the weather. I'm thinking, okay, I got nothing else to do, I'm here. I think I'm just gonna read my Bible. Now, I don't recommend that you do this, but back in those days, I'm just a young Christian, so I tried the crystal ball method, you know, when you just kinda open it and see what page it opens to. And you know, God in his graciousness, sometimes he allows us (laughs) to experience him still. And so it happens to open to Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25, where Jesus is talking about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, and look how beautiful they are, and God takes care of them, but they don't have to toil, they don't have to work, they don't strive. And how much more important are you? That if you would seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he will take care of you. And you know, all that day I'd been walking around New York and I I just kind of sensed in the back of my mind, I just felt like the Spirit of God was saying, you know, come to me with this need. Allow me to be involved in this. Trust me. And in my naivete and my foolishness, I'm like, that's okay, God. I got it. I can handle this. Remember that definition of confidence? But here I am, 10 p.m., no place to stay. And God, I feel like he's speaking to me through his word saying, ask me, trust me. And so, you know, back then, young Christian, I'm a little bit cocky. And so I kind of snap my Bible shut and I go, okay, God, show me. Show me what you can do. And I kid you not, in less than 10 minutes, somebody walks up to me, sits at my table, starts up a conversation, says, hey, where are you from? What are you doing? I said, well, I just flew into New York this morning and I don't have a place to stay. And he says, well... You can stay at my place. I'm like, whoa, here I am pounding the pavement in New York all day long looking for something organic. And in less than 10 minutes, when I finally turn to God, he provides. I'm just like blown away. Have you ever, yes, give God a hand. (laughs) Did you ever experience something where God provided for you? Did you know how that happened? And what I mean by that is, do you know how you could duplicate the ingredients for that to happen again? Do you have a situation now where you need God's help? Do you know what to do to experience God's help? There is something very simple that you can do to experience God's provision. It's very simple, but it's not easy. One of the most dramatic examples of how to do this involves a very old man and a little boy. It's found in Genesis chapter 22. Genesis is the book of beginnings. Everything in the remaining books of the Bible could be treated as a commentary to this book. The first couple chapters reveal God's plan and his intention. The remaining chapters three through 11, they display the fall of man and the complexity and the depth of the human condition. And that's where a hero in chapter 12, our hero Abraham, appears on the scene. And before God tested Abraham, he made a covenant with him. Abraham walked for many years in this covenant before he was tested. Verse 22, I mean verse 1 of chapter 22, says sometime later God tested Abraham's faith now sometime later is a reference to the context of the whole story you know you don't jump into a movie in the middle of it Uh, you watch it from the beginning we need to know the context and and so the context of this story is that um, Abraham as you you may know the story when he was 75 years old God made a promise that he would have a son and that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars and the 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 difficulty of that promise is that his wife was already beyond the years of childbearing and 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 beyond that even more difficult was that it was 25 years before the promise was fulfilled and so this is the context God made a promise it's been 25 years Abraham now finally has a son named Isaac and they're about to go on a trip and the fact that they're going on a trip, the child, and it's a week-long trip, takes about a week-long round trip there and back, for a little child to be able to make a walk like that, walking for seven days, he's got to be at least seven or eight years old, maybe older, but at least seven or eight. And so that means Abraham is at least 107 years old. Now, after 70 years, most people are thinking retirement, right? Right? I've worked hard. I don't need to prove myself to anybody. I'm just going to relax and enjoy the fruits of my labor because I am in cruise control, right? Or maybe snooze control. And so then one day, Abraham's cruising along, and he hears a familiar voice. And so we pick it up. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Now, if you put yourself in this story, just think about it for a moment. This is crazy talk. You want me to do what? And for some, this is infuriating. For others, it's absorbing, it's riveting, and people have debated for centuries the levels of meaning. But those who are at odds with God Or, at the very least, they try to understand the Bible apart from the Spirit of God. They take issue with this story. How could God possibly command such a horrible thing? How could he do that? Is God a cosmic baby killer? Now, keep in mind, this is a test. And if you know the end of the story, God never intended for Isaac to die. In fact, God doesn't intend for anyone to perish. The nice thing about a test is that there is no real danger. You know, when I was a student, I was working in the dorms, and we were required once a semester to have a fire drill. So we would announce it, let everybody know, pull the alarm, everybody evacuate the building, go to your designated areas. And then as resident advisors, we had to go through the dorm, through the rooms, make sure everybody evacuated the building. And every once in a while, we'd open a door, and there's somebody in their room like, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm sorry. I was eating my sandwich and watching my favorite TV program, and I didn't want to go outside. I'm like, dude, you just failed the test. The nice thing about a test is that there was no real fire. But imagine if it wasn't a test. You know, I I pray we never hear on the emergency broadcasting network, this is not a test. But in this passage, the Bible makes it very clear, this is a test. And even if it wasn't, I mean, think about it for a moment. Let's just say it wasn't a test. Maybe something real in terms of danger was present. You know, from God's perspective and power, even dealing with physical death, that's nothing to God. That's easy. That's not a problem. It's just like you as a parent on a Saturday morning walking into your child's bedroom, waking them up from a deep rest after a long night's sleep and going, wake up, wake up. You know, that's exactly what Jesus did when the little 12-year-old girl died. The whole community was wailing, and Jesus said, don't worry, she's just asleep, and they laughed at him, and they scoffed him, and he sent the crowd out, and he went in there with the three disciples and the parents, and he said to the little girl, "Talitha which means little girl, wake up. And she rose up, and the parents were astonished and amazed. You know, this passage in Genesis doesn't reveal what Abraham thought. It doesn't reveal what he was feeling. But the New Testament tells us that Abraham believed God could do the same thing with Isaac as Jesus did with that little 12-year-old girl and still fulfill his promise. And so here we go in verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac, Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it, and then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, "Abraham." yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. And so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. And then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba where Abraham continued to live. You know, there is so much in this passage that we can learn from Abraham's experience. And today I'll highlight just one, and that's this God provides. God provides. Every breath, every heartbeat, all the air, all the water, all the food, God provides. In fact, That's the title of this message, God, my provider. Yahweh Yireh is the phrase that Abraham used to describe God. It means the Lord will provide. Most of us are more familiar with the Latin version, which is Jehovah Jireh, God, my provider. God provides, yes, for everybody, but there is a special provision for those who walk with God. So what was it about Abraham that allowed him to experience God's provision on a supernatural level? This is an important this is an important thing to know so that you can have the same experience as Abraham. What was it about Abraham that allowed him to experience God's provision on another level? Here's the secret. Abraham demonstrated that God was first by giving up what was most important to him. He demonstrated God is first by giving up what was most important to him. This was an amazing act of trust and obedience. Abraham demonstrated that God was first by doing this. And this is why Abraham is considered the father of faith. The New Testament says that Abraham didn't doubt, as I mentioned earlier, he didn't doubt God's promise to give him a son and descendants as numerous as the stars, because he believed that God could raise Isaac from the dead and still keep his promise. And so here, the lesson we can learn from Abraham is that he believed and he trusted God to the point of demonstration, to the point of demonstration, demonstrating it in action. Let me ask you, would you be willing to demonstrate God is first in your life by giving up what is important to you? That's the question we all struggle with. In fact, that's the hardest part of our relationship with God. Other things crowd out our relationship with Him, right? And so what is the most important thing to you? Or how would you know? Well, I would suggest one way to know is to simply look at your time. What are the things that you spend time doing? And if you would, take a moment to identify the top one or two things you spend time doing. So go ahead, just take a moment and make a mental note of what that is. Got it? Everybody know what that is for you? okay? Now, whatever that is, would you be willing to give that up permanently? Because that's what Abraham was faced with, to give that up permanently to prove that God is first in your life. Now, if you seriously consider this, there's usually a struggle that goes on the inside, is there not? I mean, do you feel it? Yeah, there should be some pushback. There should be some resistance to that idea. Did any of you ask, do I really need to prove it? I mean, isn't my relationship with God personal? Isn't that kind of private? Isn't that a matter of the heart? Do I really need to prove it? What about God's provision when Jesus fed the multitudes? They didn't have to prove anything. God is just gracious. God's a giving God. God loves us unconditional. He just gives to everybody, doesn't he? Well, yes and no. Do you remember Jesus critiqued the crowds that followed him? They they wanted to follow him. He said, the reason you're following me is not because you're interested in the things of God. The reason you're following me is because I fed you and I filled your stomachs. You know, honoring self is a whole lot different than honoring God. Because of our selfish nature, we can do all kinds of spiritual gymnastics about our motives and what we think we are. We can even be so convincing to ourselves. For example, us guys, we like to think we're tough, right? I like to think I'm tough, a little bit. But the truth is, I'm not. Actually, I'm pretty sensitive and pretty fragile. You know, I love water sports. I used to do a lot of scuba diving and spear fishing. So one day I got my spear gun. I'm down about 30 feet. I'm going around a rock. And just around my view, there's a big grouper coming straight at me. He's about three feet long, looks like he's about 75 pounds, big purple fish. So I got my spear gun, and all of a sudden, in the moment of that test, I'm like, don't get near me. <laughs> and like all of a sudden the hunted became, the hunter became the hunted. I'm like, so you think you're tough, huh? <laughs> you know, big fish, if you know about big fish, their behavior, they're a little curious. They'll come up the first time just to take a quick look, get a little close, and then Pshhh. And so after he was gone, I was like, oh, yeah. So I started swimming after him, but he's too fast. I couldn't catch up. Another time, I'm scuba diving, and we're down by the reef, and I see this little fish, and I go up to him, and, and he's just standing there, or just sitting there looking at me. And uh, if you know anything about poisonous fish, uh, they come in three categories. Number one, they're very beautiful, or they're very ugly, or they're not scared of you. And so I go up to this little fish, and he's not scared of me. He's just looking at me. So I get a little bit closer, and then I put my finger out, about to touch him to see what he's going to do, and he just looks at my finger like, what is that? And I kind of pull it back like, uh, maybe not much. (laughs) in light of my uh, sensitivity to uh, toxic venoms. So later I'm talking to my scuba buddy about it. He goes, yeah, I was watching that. That little fish was looking at you like, so show me what you got. (laughs) Apparently not much. (laughs) No, my point is this. We can easily think we're something, but the truth is revealed in the test. We have to prove our mettle. Honoring God needs to be demonstrated. And the Apostle James explains why. He says in James chapter 2, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God and he experienced supernatural provision as he put God first. Earlier, I told you the story about my trip to New York and not having a place to stay. Do you know what it was that I gave up in order to experience God's provision? I gave up relying on self. I gave up control. You know, when my kids were little, I'd be trying to help them do something, and they're like, Dad, I can do it myself, Dad. I'm like, okay, okay, you can do it yourself. You know, we so desire to be independent and in control. This is another way of saying to you, surrender may not involve a tangible object. It could be intangible and yet very real. In order to experience the Spirit-filled life, the life that is led and empowered by the Spirit of God, we need to give up what is most important to us. And this is the struggle for all of us. But it will help to remember God never takes away anything that he doesn't replace with something better. I know this is hard, but if you let the Spirit of God help you follow the way of Jesus, There is a a resurrection side in the kingdom of God. There is a new life waiting for you in the kingdom of God. It's waiting for you. If we will simply take the step to follow in the footsteps of Abraham, follow in the footsteps of Jesus, follow in the footsteps of the church forefathers, there is something on the other side that God has which is better than what we're holding on to. You ever notice with your little kids, sometimes you're wanting to give them something better and you're going to take away what they have? No! You know, and it's like, you know, you can't have the better thing until you let go of the old. It's waiting for you. God never takes away anything that he doesn't replace with something better. Amen. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Our Father, you know my heart. You know what I struggle with. You know that thing that I hold as most important. And Lord, I ask that by your spirit, by your grace, that you would enable me to lay it down, to lay down my life. Jesus, you said, he who seeks his life will lose it, but he who loses it for my sake will gain life eternal. And so, Father, help us take these words to heart and more than that, put into practice. And if you're praying, I just want to invite you to continue in an attitude of prayer. I want to invite you to take a moment just to do business with God. And whatever that thing is that you know is most important to you, I want to invite you to lay that on the altar. Whatever your Isaac is, to lay it on the altar, to be in a a position spiritually to experience the supernatural provision of God in your life. And so just take a moment to interact with God. And while you're praying, just continue processing. Just continue in dealing with what's going on, whatever God is doing, and while you're praying, I'd like to address another group of people who may be in the audience here today. As you're hearing me talk about a relationship with God, you know you've been thinking about that lately. In fact, you feel like maybe God's been trying to get your attention. And as a result, you're here today. You're actually searching. And if that describes you and you would like to experience God, But you've never made a conscious choice, you've never made a formal decision to invite Jesus into your life. I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that. And it's quite simple, it just starts with the desire of your heart and expressing that desire to God, which we'll express in prayer. I'll pray out loud, you can pray along with me, God will hear you. But before we pray, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And I have a signal for that. Which is, if you would simply look up, then when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're gonna pray together. And so if this is you, if this is something that you would like to do, go ahead and look up at this moment and then we'll pray together. Here? Okay, very good, I see you. And back here? Okay, anybody else? Don't wanna miss it, right here? Anybody else? Right there, okay, I see you. And there, very good. And here, okay, let's pray. Father, thank you that you've been getting my attention lately. And as a result, I'm here now, and I'm making a choice to come to you, to open up to you, to invite you into my life. Lord, I invite your spirit into mine. I ask you to forgive me for the things I've done. You know what they are. I thank you for Jesus and what he did for me in dying on the cross. And I receive your forgiveness, your spirit of forgiveness. I receive your son into my life. And I ask that you would cleanse me, forgive me, remove any condemnation, remove any shame. Lord, allow me to start afresh in my relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that you would show yourself to me. And I ask that you would show me the way how to live life your way, because it's been hard on my own. And I ask God that you would make me the kind of person that you designed me to be. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a hand to those who prayed that prayer. And if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do two things. Number one, tell a friend. Chances are the people that you've been hearing talk about God, they made the same decision. You can learn together, grow together. We're better together. Secondly, uh, we have a gift for you. It's a little booklet called One to One that will help you develop your relationship with God. Just come on over to this table and some lovely people will connect with you. And uh, that'll be a good start. Sound good? God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. Have a good week and we'll see you next Sunday. And I'm rising up with you, rising up with you, rising up with you, rising up with you. You take me high on the wings of your truth, yes, I'm rising up with you, rising up, rising up with you. Rising up with you, rising up with you, rising up with you.